Welcome to the Mystery of Home Education with Linda LaCour Hobar, author of The Mystery of History, a world history curriculum for all ages. This pre-recorded podcast is designed for new and returning homeschool parents seeking direction, encouragement, and inspiration from a biblical worldview. And now your hostess, Linda LaCour Hobar. Hello again, friends, and welcome to The Mystery of Home Education. So in episode number three, I compared a Christian homeschool to a house where there'd be three major parts, a foundation, that's where we'd put a biblical worldview of education, a frame, where we find the functional side of your home, and the rooms, where we'd find your school subjects and the discipleship of your children. Well, I base that word picture on an analogy from scripture that reads like this, through wisdom, a house is built. And by understanding, it is established. By knowledge, the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. That's from Proverbs 24, 3 and 4. Oh, I love that passage. Well, since I used episode 3 to talk about establishing a firm foundation, logically, it's time for us to work our way up this house and address the building of a frame. Now, the frame of a house may conjure up numerous images, but in the context of home education, I am picturing the functional side of your home and your school. So symbolically picture with me the doors, the walls, the ceilings, and the floors of any room in your house. But in practicality, picture with me your routine, your schedule, the chores, and what's for dinner. (laughs) Because without a frame, there are no rooms to fill with precious and pleasant riches. So today's podcast will be simple and practical with seven of my best tips for everyday living. Please know, while I didn't always have my frame in order, we did manage to homeschool for 17 years with at least enough in place to call it successful. You know, one of the many beauties of homeschool is that you can pick and choose from ideas. They're not necessarily for everyone, but I hope you'll find one or two to hang on to. So tip number one. Now, this is very simple, but I'm going to say it anyways. Monday through Friday, try to get dressed before school starts. Now, it may be yoga pants and a t-shirt, but that's a step up from flannel pajamas and a robe, isn't it? Now, this is important for two reasons. Number one, you may have an emergency and be glad that you're decent. And by decent, ladies, you know there's that one undergarment that keeps the girls in place. So put it on, wear it even if it's just a sports bra. And two, getting dressed, it may help demonstrate to your children that learning at home, it is important enough to dress for. Now, I don't mean pearls. We're not June Cleaver here. And I don't mean that we didn't have some extended pajama days when it was cold. I mean, we homeschooled in Ohio. The mornings were cold, and so we made exceptions. But if school is in pajamas every day, well, others may not take you seriously. We certainly have enough naysayers out there that don't support homeschooling anyway because they don't understand it. So don't add fuel to the fire by just not dressing for the occasion. All right, tip number two, delegate, delegate, and delegate some more. So here's the deal. When you add the job of home education to the already existing demands of your family life and a possible career thrown in on the side, Well, it's painfully clear that you cannot do it all. Oh, no, (laughs) you can't. And my best advice to getting household jobs done when you homeschool 
is to delegate. And whom are you delegating to? Well, primarily to your children. Even if you pay for some professional services, you know, there's still enough to do every day that you will want to involve your children. You know, if nothing else, make every day at five pickup time to restore your house after a busy day and kind of usher in the night. As a matter of fact, try to make that a sweet time. Maybe you play music, turn on the lamps and straighten those pillows and blankets one more time on the sofa. Just try to keep in mind you're transitioning from day to night and try to make it a favorite time of day. Now, as for actual cleaning that we ought to delegate, you know, it's not just about the dust bunnies under the sofa. You may not even care they're there. But by relying on your children to help with basic cleaning and tidying, well, you're teaching them a good work ethic. I believe you can teach your children as soon as they can walk to help out in making your house a home. As for dishing out those chores, please don't expect children to all respond to their work the same way. No, they won't. Now, think of it this way. If God gave you heavily task-oriented children, maybe they have the personality of a Martha, well, give those kids lists of chores or give them a chart to fill out. And you may have to change it every three months for variety and to learn new skills. But these Martha types, you know, the ones who really like to work off of charts, they will find great reward in checking off the boxes. But if God gave you free-spirited children, those that have the personality of Mary, please don't exasperate them with charts. But here's what you can do. You can whisper one chore at a time in their little ear and then hug them excessively when they report back to you because these little people pleasers, they will find great reward in your praise. By the way, (laughs) just so you know, your house is more trafficked and shows more wear and tear because your children are home, like at least 30 to 40 more hours a week than families who send their kiddos away for school. Just because I've done the math, that is 1,080 more hours a year. Not that anyone is counting. Tip number three. Now, if you're a menu planner or not, I suggest you decide on what's for dinner by about 10 a.m. Now, why the time frame? Well, for one, it's just helpful to be a step ahead. But for my carnivorous friends, it also gives you time to thaw the meat. Oh, I encourage this because of my own personal failure. Uh, Years ago, story here, we had no microwave for some time. That was for health reasons. It broke. I didn't replace it. And so once in a great while, when I forgot what we were going to eat, I would tiptoe over to the neighbor's house with frozen meat to thaw in their microwave. Oh, yes, it was humiliating. (laughs) Now we've moved away from that neighborhood. We now have a microwave. But I still try to think about the meat, at least around 10 a.m., so that I don't have to use the microwave to thaw anything. Call me old school, but I still suspect that they're dangerous. Tip number four. While we're on food, (laughs) please consider creating a lunch menu. The story is I learned the hard way that a lunch menu was an absolute must. Before I figured this out, my kids, I think they looked at me like I was a short order cook. That was great for them, but it was terrible for me. You see, after spending three to four hours in the morning poring over grammar, spelling, math, oh, let's throw in Latin too, Well, the last thing I needed at noon 
was a headache over lunch. I simply didn't have the energy for negotiating like, what's for lunch, mom? So one day, I'm sure that they were probably whining about whether or not we were having grilled cheese or tuna. But anyway, I I whipped out a piece of notebook paper to menu plan an entire month of lunch ideas. Then I posted it on the fridge and voila, the deed was done. And I actually could prepare lunch in peace without any bartering at all. Now, I know that large families or just organized families have long learned that there's no such thing as a short order cook. I guess kids in large families are just happy to get food. I think it's the smaller families that are guilty. We're the ones that tend to fall into that bad habit of what sounds good to you. You know what I mean? We'll avoid that by planning ahead for a whole month of lunch and simply repeating it. Is this simple? Well, it is. Is it helpful? Extremely. I highly recommend it. Okay, tip number five, cut them off at two. Now, as most of you have already experienced, some kids work fast on school. They do that to get to other things that they enjoy. But some kids, they dawdle around forever. They seem to have no concept of time management. Do you have some of those? You know, those kids are happy to waste time. And they'd be happier still if they could just waste your time. Oh, you know the ones. (laughs) One way to avoid that is to have a cutoff time for school. At least a cutoff time for your role in school. Not necessarily for them. See, if they've wasted their school day, and perhaps they just never finished some formal work that you assigned, maybe they need to keep going in the afternoon. Maybe they need to work after dinner. Some would even call this homework. But if I were you, I would not be available as a tutor during their overtime or their homework. Think about it this way. You've already given them your time. Don't let them waste more time by their dawdling. By the way, this doesn't apply to informal learning. I mean, I hope that you have informal learning going on 24 hours a day. I'm referring to that sit-down type of work that's traditionally part of school, like grammar, math, spelling. By the way, just out of my own three kiddos, I had one in particular who was a quality time person. So she worked very slowly on just about everything. We nicknamed her our crockpot child. Do you have any of those? You know, they're slow to start like a crockpot, but then they're willing to work all day long, just like the crockpot. Well, for her to solve this dawdling problem and going on all day long, I just pulled out a kitchen timer. You know, it was more for me than it was for her. It kind of went like this. Mommy has 20 minutes now to help you through whatever this assignment is. But after that, you're going to have to work on this part by yourself. And the timer was set. Would she then use those next 20 minutes with me more wisely? Most of the time, yes. Because it was helpful for her to have me by her side. And again, she was a quality time person. She really didn't want to work alone ever. (laughs) So this helped her to be less of a toddler. In fact, she grew up to be a very successful student and went on to get her master's in dietetics. So there's hope for those toddlers. Tip number six. This one I call living by the week. Here's my explanation. So as a rather free-spirited person myself, I have learned that I hate routine. Raise your hand if I just described you. Of course, I can't see you, but I imagine some of you are right with me. 
you know, routine. It just drains me of life. I really despise it. But I also know that I need some structure or I'm going to veer so far off course that I really may not recover and get a thing done. I'm a feelings person. That means sometimes I can be so deep in thought that I can and I do sometimes just stare out the window. Any other starers out there? I don't know, something about staring out the window. I feel sometimes I'm solving the problems of the world. Please, somebody tell me you do this. But anyway, to stay on top of my responsibilities in the throes of homeschool, certainly I can't just stare out the window. So I learned to be the master of a weekly schedule rather than daily or hourly. Here's what I mean. It's not good for me to try to schedule my Monday through Friday by the hour, as in, let's even pretend that we're going to have Bible at 9, spelling at 10, math at 11. No, 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 that's not going to happen, not by the hour. Way too confining. But I did learn that I could carve out my entire morning for school. By that, I mean that's when we did our concrete subjects first. Maybe that's language arts and math. Then we'd always take a break for lunch. And then we'd resume with our living subjects like history or science. Now, finished or not, I always stopped at two in the afternoon because, as previously mentioned, the dawdlers, (laughs) they might keep going, but they had to without me. Now, here's the good part. So picture I've now got formal school out of the way for the day. I'm done at two. And then the magic of this weekly schedule for everything else would kick in, where every day of the week, I stuck to a pattern, and here's what it looked like. On Monday, I would take care of all paperwork, maybe menu planning, maybe make phone calls for appointments. I mean, I hate Mondays anyway, so I might as well fill them with calls and paperwork, things that I don't like to do. Then on Tuesdays, that's when I would plan to run one or two errands, if needed, and then go to the grocery store and stock up. And I mean stock up at least for a week because I am not going to go back to the grocery store for a week. (laughs) You know, to this day, I mean, it may be raining, snowing or sleeting, but you're going to find me at the grocery store on Tuesday afternoons. It's just a rhythm. It works for me. And I always know I'm going to be there. So I never run to the store in between. Okay, Wednesdays. Now, before the mystery of history existed, that was my bread baking day. Oh, I miss those days. But that's another topic. Back in my homeschooling days, I baked every Wednesday and then started the laundry, in part because both were located near the kitchen. Now, note the word start the laundry. That's important because I didn't necessarily finish it the day I started it. But hey, on Wednesdays, I started it. Now let's move to Thursday. Oh, I love Thursdays. Why? Because think about it. By Thursday, look what I've already conquered. I've done paperwork, errands, baking, and I've started the laundry. So that meant Thursday was my special projects day. That's when I allowed myself to work on, I don't know, some little special project. Maybe I'm going to pick out a paint color that I'll be using on Saturday or Sunday. Or maybe I'm going to plan a party for Friday night. Or maybe I'm going to write an article. It's a whatever day to fill some deep places in my life that might otherwise be neglected. Oh, and then I would finish the laundry that night, usually and give the kids their part to put away. Okay, we've moved up to Friday now. So Fridays, we typically shorted school a bit on Friday so that we had time to clean. So we divided up the cleaning regiment, and the kids were not allowed to play and start their weekend until their cleaning was done. 
Now, do you see the benefit of this pattern? When the week was over, I had actually tackled every major area of responsibility without feeling too regimented, right? Because I'm not working by the hour, which would weigh confine me. And think of it too, like if a bit of paperwork showed up on Wednesday, well, there's no need to panic because I knew I'd get to it the following Monday because every Monday I'm going to sit down and do that paperwork. Or if the laundry piled up more than normal, but it's only Monday, well, that's okay. No panic because I'm going to get to it Wednesday and finish it on Thursday. Or if the house just had grown dirtier than usual, but it's only Wednesday, well, no worries. I'm going to just ignore it because I will get to it on Friday. So this whole rhythm thing was really very freeing for me as I focused on just one or two major responsibilities each day of the week. And friends, somehow or another, it rolled on by week after week and month to month so that we finally finished 17 years of homeschooling without falling eternally behind on everything else. So try it. It might not work for everyone, but it really did for us. Okay, my final tip number seven, host an in-service day. Here's what I mean. One day a long time ago, I decided to borrow from public schools the idea of an in-service day, and that was just to take care of big house projects. And we did this by claiming the first school day of every month as an in-service day. We counted it as a day of school in our lesson plans, but we abandoned the books and we sidestepped any written assignments. It was a day instead for us to deep clean our school, organize their work, maybe file away stray school items because, you know, they do pile up. And then if school-related items were in okay shape, well, then we ventured into their bedrooms. Bum, bum, bum. Sorry, that was a sound effect, but you know what I mean. Kids' rooms. Ugh, they're awful. They are a force to be reckoned with. You know, most first-world kids, first of all, own too much to begin with. And then no matter where kids live, they grow And so their dressers and their closets tend to overflow with items they can't even fit into. Now, in retrospect, these in-service days, they weren't that fun. No, these were not fun days. I think the kids reached a point where they would rather have done algebra than maybe clean out another desk or venture into a closet. But I have to admit, I loved that these days were built into our lives because they really did help keep things running a little more smoothly all year long. And I'll add that a few times a year, we just used in-service days to prepare for the holidays. And those were fun days, because the Christmas music would get turned on and the smell of baked goods would fill up the house. Well, friends, those are my seven tips, just to help you with a frame. And let me rattle them off real quick for you who are note-takers, because maybe you're worried you missed one. I'll go through fast. But number one, get dressed. Number two, delegate. Number three, decide on dinner by 10 a.m. Number four, create a lunch menu. Number five, cut them off at two. Number six, live by the weekday instead of by the hour. And number seven, host a monthly in-service day just to help take care of your home and school. You know, in closing, I suspect that some of you are discouraged by my list because for some reason or another, your frame, it's not at all in the shape that you'd like it to be. Well, first, take heart and do not feel alone. All homes have seasons of complete disarray, dysfunction, storms, crises, ours included. 
Oh, we had our seasons of crises too. But if that's where you are, perhaps it's time to maybe set the books aside to fill the love tank at home. We have done this too more than once. We have stopped homeschool to work on home. Because when there's chaos at home, school just doesn't follow very well. So be it for a few months, a couple of weeks, just maybe a few Fridays here and there. Use a break from academics to declutter, to revise some chore charts, reestablish respect through discipline, pull out some family games, or just prioritize time in God's word. Remember, homeschool is a two-part word where home and the frame of it is important to have in order. Well, that wraps up this session on building a frame for home education. Until we meet again, I'm Linda LeCour Hobar for the sake of the mystery. Thank you for listening to The Mystery of Home Education with Linda LaCour Hobar. For more information on Linda's award-winning history program, visit themysteryofhistory.com, a one-stop shop for chronological, Christian, complete world history for all ages.